So I took that test that you recommended. Yeah. And uh, the, the results came back clear. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, apparently, funny is my value. Fantastic. Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's V for values. You know, life can be quite complex. In it. Like there's like I know. There's like shit's always happening. And making decisions can get more and more complicated. Being able to know, you know, what is what is the right thing to do, you know, for ourselves and others. And there is something about when we do make decisions or, or try and make changes in our lives, knowing our values gives us a kind of a compass a way of navigating our situations and our environments. Uh, Other people call them like a North Star, or if we have a multiple number of values, it can be like a constellation. Whenever we get a bit stuck or a bit lost, we can look up in the sky and orientate ourselves and go, okay, so this action will take me towards who I want to be in the world. This might take me away from that. And that is something very much part of acceptance and commitment training, actually. It's funny because one of the things that I, although humour did come back as my as my value, mm. when things didn't feel like they were falling the way I wanted them to fall, mm. coming back to an idea of service was always something that helped me sort of reorientate and go. It, it sort of brought a kind of sense of peace of just going, if I stop thinking about what I'm getting and instead think about where I can be of value and add value and, and be useful in the world uh, and, and, you know, perhaps be a little bit more generous. Uh, that kind of just calmed those voices and, and sort of gave me a little bit more I don't know, perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but when you mentioned the test, I'll get into this a little in a, in a little while. You know, this is, I think this, the values and action thing is about how you might do something. And so acts of service or being of service, you know, that's a more of a concrete value you might find, say, in accepting the commitment training idea of values. But we'll, unpa- we'll unpack a bit of this a little bit by as we go along. But it's really interesting that you talk about how it gave you some perspective to help you quieten down those, those voices, because really one of the, the ways that I like to think of values is knowing what matters to us. Our hearts desire who we want to be on the, in the world on an ongoing basis. And so you're already identified there. You have a, a strength, perhaps, of, of humor, of being funny and seeing the bright side of things. But who your hearts desire for who you want to be in the world and how you want to be in the world and the, the impact you want to make is actually service. And, you know, I've noticed, you know, in our conversations and sharing spaces with you, sometimes the thing that you do to serve the group is to tell a funny, you know. And so <laughs> that, that like, it, it, it's not either or thing. These are things which are multi-layered and depend on situations. And I think because from my perspective, I find setting goals quite difficult. I've been filling in a new yearly planner and it talks and, and a year compass and it says, what do you want to, what are the goals you want to set? And the things that I'm writing down are more habits, actually, you know, wanting to meditate X number of times a week, wanting to journal X number of times a week, rather than going, oh, I want to do this or, or do that as in like an end goal. I'm actually, my, my 
thing I want to aim for is an ongoing process. Love that. Um, Big fan of that. (laughs) Thank you. And I think this is why I come back to values because that Ross Harris, I'm going to talk an awful lot about Ross Harris's work in this in this podcast from Act Made Simple, uh, second edition. And he says, you know, a really great difference between a, a goal and a value is getting married versus being loving. A goal is something that is tends to be future orientated. We're striving towards, and I hate the idea of striving towards anything. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get into this. I think mm. it comes up in my value stuff. I have, with my energy can be so variable. It can be a, a novel form of torture, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> to have a goal because I don't know whether, the, while I can set as much in place as possible for me to accomplish it. The certain things, for example, like getting married, I have it on good authority that that's not something I can do on my own. I mean, yeah, people sort have, of not within your your locus of control. Not entirely, no. You know, I mean, there are people now nowadays. We are in the era when people marry themselves. They marry a rock. They marry whatever and stuff. But like in in the general assumption of marriage, it tends to involve like two people but a but a but a value of being loving this kind of comes back to just just now you're talking about how you're surprised i don't like to strive for stuff because to me striving feels unloving towards myself because there's almost mm, i think i guess it's kind of the difference between achieving and accomplishment you know achieving mm. is that thing of being on a mountain a ladder there's always like something beyond my grasp with that. Yeah, that that was very much what was coming. What was coming up for me is that it's sort of grasping and reaching, and those are those are things I've very much felt. And yeah, yeah I, I can uh, wholeheartedly concur with the desire to not do that. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because for me, what I am trying to do is be more present to where I am and notice what's already around me. And I think that's the, the, the different thing. And so then being loving, I can do that. No matter my circumstances, I can be in bed, unable to talk to anyone. And there's always a loving thing that I can do because I am here. And so I can, I can self-soothe. I can stroke my arm, my upper arm in, in soft downward strokes, which is havening. I can talk to myself in my head in a kind and generous way and go, it's okay, sweetie. I know you feel bad about not doing X, Y, and Z. That's okay. They'll understand. I can still be loving even when I'm immobilized. And I think this is why erring on the side of values, erring on the side of finding a different way to have a rich and meaningful life is what really draws me to acceptance and commitment training and just having I this is how I used to conceptualize the six different aspects of acceptance and commitment training and so you've got like the whole presence thing you know being present in the moment so where's your head at and being the the container for what's happening rather than identifying with the context uh the con uh, the content sorry and then either being really so closely identified with a belief or thought that you become fused to it or trying to avoid things and they're like on the left and the right. So you've got the top of the, above your head and below your feet and your right hand and your left hand. 
then I always think about values as the stuff that's got my back. This is the stuff that I wear. This is kind of like where I'm coming from. And then the last aspect of acceptance and commitment training is committed values. And I always think about that being in front of me, you know, my direction of travel. But I'm fueled by the values at my back. That's what gives me, that's what clothes me. That's what gives me strength. Particularly if my committed, my committed actions require me to go through things which are uncomfortable, are painful, are difficult or challenging. One of the tenets in, in ACT is, you know, we hurt and care in the same places as a way to identify what's important to us. If we don't give a shit about something, it's probably, if, if something good or bad happens, with the, I've been watching Ted Lasso recently, so it's just going to go this way. I used, when I was growing up, I used to be a fan of, of football and a Liverpool FC fan. And so when they were doing well, I was, I was happy when they were doing badly. I wasn't so happy. I've no idea what they're doing anymore. I believe that from what my brother tells me, I believe they're doing all right. Yay! But my like my 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 quality of life isn't affected <laughs> by whether they are doing well or not anymore. And I no longer have the value of 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 supporting them in my in my constellation in, in, in my environment. It's not an arrow in your quiver. It's not an arrow in my quiver, no. And so this is why I, I love Russ Harris's explanation. He talks about what do you want to stand for in life? What do you want to do with your brief time on this planet? How do you want to treat yourself, others, and the world around you? And it is this idea of these desired qualities of physical or psychological action, how we want to behave on an ongoing basis. And obviously, there can be, I'm trying to think the psychologist who talks about this, I think it's Carl Rogers, talks about the gap, how painful it can be when the self that we perceive ourselves to be and our ideal self, the gap between them is quite big. Mm. And, you know, and I think that is where self-compassion comes in. We want to be a certain person in the world. We want to act loving, but we're constantly acting unloving. Being able to notice that gap and actually be kind to ourselves and go, okay, so how can I take those small steps to not just stop that chasm from mm. being so so large, but actually allowing these things to overlap. And so there's no, I am being more and more, as again, you know, I'm using this term, my heart's desire for who I want to be in the world, more, more, more frequently. The question that comes to mind is around what happens when we are not in congruence with our values. Oh, I can see a rabbit hole appearing. Because often I think that's where, I know that's where I can sometimes get a bit upset with myself if if I believe I've acted in a way that is against my values because I've mm. got a very strong defense mechanism. Okay. And I think that threat detection system mm. uh, is probably a better phrase for it, hmm. uh, will sort of leap in. Uh, and the the lasers and the and the and the cannons <laughs> and all the little it's mm-hmm. like um oh it 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 was a bit of a trope I think in cartoons where you'd get yeah. like the all the guns that would come out and then the guns got a a spike on the end of it and then the spike's got a tiny little hammer at the end of it <laughs> and it's <laughs> all the things come out uh, and and sometimes it's just guns blazing everywhere hmm. and uh, and then suddenly the dust settles there's no one around and I'm sat there going. Oh no, I'm not. Sh- 
was that what I wanted? I don't think that's what... Oh, no, that's not congruent with my values. <laughs> and then you end up not being able to sleep at night. Yeah, well... It Deal with that, Anya. Deal with that. Oh, jeez. There you go. <laughs> this wasn't in the notes. Um, well, I guess it depends on... We all have different ways of emotional control strategies. Mm. I'm just... Gra- grabbing another book now as we talk because there are so many different ways we can end up distracting ourselves and trying to numb what we're feeling distracting can be just keeping getting ourselves too busy surfing the web we're trying to find anything to take us away from our present moment experience and our present thinking then we can perhaps opt out of things, perhaps avoid things that might be important to us or stay away from people or avoid particular activities because they reawaken the emotion or the feeling, the guilt or the shame that we don't want to experience. Then, of course, we've got things like thinking strategies. There's so many people, and I have definitely been one of these, use self-help as a way to think of myself out of pain to actually use overuse positive thinking gratitude reframing focusing all these things are useful and it depends on the intention of them if the intention is to make myself more resourced so I can engage with something that might be challenging great if I'm using them so that I can avoid dealing with something painful or challenging so good and then you know this is something I always remember Brene Brown talks about this you know how she knows that she is struggling with something is when she ends up in the pantry eating biscuits and she has no idea how she got there the other one is like substances and other strategies and again it can be as stereotypical as drugs and alcohol or it can be again like the self-help books or just whatever's in the fridge whatever's in the fridge absolutely absolutely and then it's because these are all the things that Russ Harris calls these the dots, you know, connecting them together and actually noticing the you know, different kind of strategies that we use to distract ourselves from or remove ourselves from difficult or painful emotions, feelings like of guilt and shame, that, that, ho- that horrible feeling of, oh God, I've acted in a way which is incongruent to who I want to be. And so much of this stuff, so much of the response to that is unconscious. We have cognitive biases. We, we have very often cognitive dissonance. And this is why people numb themselves, I think, is because there are, Dr. Uh, Dan Siegel talks about the sign of mental health being integration and being unhealthy as being disintegration and being not integrated. And I don't know about you, but some of the most painful times in my life have come from when I have had aspects of myself in conflict with each other rather than being congruent and working together in harmony that's making me think about again sort of coming a little bit back to service having where i am at the moment in terms of uh trying to figure out where uh i can put the most wood behind the arrow business wise Mm -hmm. there is a whole thing about there's what i want which is lots and lots and lots of easy money (laughs) and then there is what do i want to leave as a as a mark not necessarily a legacy but Mm. i'd love to look at my business and say 
wow, he did all that. He made lots and lots and lots of money, but he also did it fairly ethically in a way that was uh, not exclusive or exclusionary, that was inclusive, that were all these all these things uh, that I value because, mm. you know, I can spend one day with one uh, advisor who can tell me, yes, you go for the big ticket item and you make your stuff available to all the rich kids who can pay for it. And then that's great. And you, you have one client and they pay for your whole year, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the other aspect where you go, yeah, but then I want to have a conversation with someone in the pub and go, I can help you. Mm. And I mean, there's a whole uh, extra conversations there about, well, if your salary is paid for a year and you've got easy money, then yes, you can help someone for free. And so yeah, there's all those things. <laughs> but there's these, these values of wanting to be safe, because that's what the money comes down to. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's wanting to be safe and wanting to be able to spend my time with the people I love. That's, that's really what the, yeah. as, as glib as I'm being about the money, that's what it means. But on the other side of it is wanting to be of service to people yeah yeah and it's kind of this is this is the thing with you know the 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 value stuff is that they are about being in in the here and now and so yeah having having wanting to make lots and lots of money is a goal (laughs) you know something in the future but what you're actually what i'm hearing now is the the actual value in there is freedom freedom and or security Mm -hmm. that's what that that is the the tool or device to get you those core desired feelings and being able to do things that they're freely chosen and giving you a sense of vitality when you do them and so even if you could do things which generate you lots and lots and lots of money if you were selling your soul and doing things which you found I mean I I am sure that with your creativity with your coding skills with like with your everything you could probably do something which could rip a lot of people off but you wouldn't feel very good about it afterwards. <laughs> the amount of times I've sat there going it wouldn't be that unethical to <laughs> to figure out this way of getting this information and send a bunch of people unsolicited emails. I mean other people do it. I mean I'm offering something that's good and of value. So if I do it I'm really just using the the villain's tools for good. I mean really and any 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 time you start going it's not that you have to go oh no 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 stop, stop. You're becoming a baddie. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Don't need to be the super villain with the laugh. And I think this is the thing with with values, they don't need to be justified. And the fact that you're then, you're just shown there now how you would have to have a justification for your actions. And we often have more than one value. And I'll, I'll touch on what Brene Brown says about that in a moment. And so having different ones which apply more in different spaces, being uh, conscientious might be really helpful in a work environment, but being loving might not go down so well <laughs> depending on your colleagues yeah i was just thinking being conscientious uh or yeah being being sort of uh very supportive and and, and here for everybody is great when you're in a work environment uh unless that work environment is an actual fire that's happening right now <laughs> then you know yeah. perhaps uh being swift is a value that you might have yeah yeah absolutely and the, and the idea of holding them lightly as well because i mean i mentioned earlier on about how we can hold on to things so much we've become fused to them we loop we forget that we are something separate from these beliefs and ideas when values are surrounded by the word should or have to, or need to, that's when it starts to get into like punitive territory. And then this is the other idea of being able to include ourselves and others. And so that's when I was talking about when 
the difference between getting married and being loving. I can be loving in my thoughts, to myself, in physical action and to others. There's like, there's a continuity there. And I think that can be something that people might struggle with is they might have values of being kind and caring and thoughtful for other people and yet struggle to apply those same values to themselves. And so, you know, this is where I'm kind of thinking along these lines with my prompts now is actually to encourage people to touch into their values, to discern what really matters to them and springboarding off your conversation, you're mentioning about being of service. You know, my first prompt is, how do you want people to describe you at your 80th birthday party? So take a moment right now to imagine Mark. There were two or three people making speeches at that landmark birthday. You've got to an age where you're looking back, people have or all the things that you've wanted to accomplish, all, all the things that you've wanted to be in the world have been paying off. What might they say about you? What might they say that you stand for? Or what might you mean to them? Or perhaps what even what's the role that you might have played in their life? I okay, this is gonna come out, I think. To, to, to coin a phrase, needlessly messianic or uh, perhaps uh, somewhat self-aggrandizing. Hmm. So we'll we'll say the thing and then we can judge it later. Yeah. I like the idea that someone says, I couldn't have done this without you. Meaning, not that I did a bunch of heavy lifting, but that I, I was there to say, you can do that. You're allowed and you're good and this is what you can do if if you don't give up. Uh, and that would be lovely to to for someone to have made an album or written a poetry book or just something. And I'm not talking about anything big, famous, whatever. But someone to get their creativity out that otherwise they might not have because they they thought who would care or they got halfway through and they were like, oh, no one seems to care anymore. The fact that uh, there was someone there that said, "No, hey, you should." That feels nice. Yeah, and I think there's there's an aspect there of contribution. Yeah, enablement, empowerment, kicking up the bumment. Yeah, but actually instilling belief. I always, I, I'm sure we've mentioned it before on this this podcast. But you know, you're talking about your college lecturer saying, "I, I won't do the work for you, but I won't let you fail." Yeah, it's along those lines. It's a it's a value of support. Yeah, and I mean that takes us really nicely on to a lovely values clarification exercise from Russ Harris called Connect and Reflect because sometimes it's not so easy to think speculatively about, you know, being, you know, on the 80th birthday, looking back, etc. And I find this one is a really lovely way of just tapping into how we are best selves as we are now, ideally. And so, uh, if you are driving, perhaps fast forward this part. We'll tell you the markers. <laughs> nah, just, uh, just, just, st- just stop. Just pull over. Yeah, <laughs> just pull over. This is important. Don't stop the podcast. Pull over. <laughs> you'll get there later. It'll be fine. You'll, you'll. It's all right. She's still going to be there. She's still going to say yes. <laughs> the waiters will hang on to the ring. Just, just sit. Just sit there for a minute. And I wish this should only take about five minutes. And so, yeah, if it's if it's safe and convenient to do so, close your eyes or lower your gaze. And perhaps think of someone you care about and like to spend time with. Be a friend, child, partner, parent, relative, co-worker. Could even be a teammate in your sports team or a teacher or coach or mentor. And if you can't think of anyone currently, 
and simply pick someone you used to like spending time with in the past. Now, remember a time, recent or distant, when you were with that person, doing something that you like. It may be a very intimate, loving or sensual memory that involves hugging, cuddling, kissing, etc. Or it may just be having some fun, playing a game, joking around, or perhaps doing some creative or sporting activity. Maybe even just sharing a meal or going for a walk or watching a movie together or simply having a good chat about something. Make this memory as vivid as possible. Relive it, feel it emotionally, and look out from behind your own eyes in this memory. Notice what you can see, hear, touch, taste, smell, think, feel, and do in this memory. If you are in physical contact with the other person, feel their body against yours. Now, What does it feel like to be doing this activity with this person you care about? Let yourself feel it and appreciate it. Savour the moment. Now, step back and look at the memory as if watching it on a TV screen. And focus on yourself. In this memory, what are you saying and doing? How are you interacting with the other person? treating them, responding to them? What qualities are you showing in this memory? See if you can come up with two or three words that describe these qualities. For example, are you being open, engaged, interested, loving, kind, fun-loving, playful, connected, engaged, interested, appreciative, honest, real, courageous, intimate. What does this tell you or remind you of in terms of the sort of person you want to be, the way you want to treat yourself and others, the sort of relationships you want to build and how you want to spend your time? Just allow yourself to Make a mental note and then if you have closed your eyes, just wiggle your fingers to bring you back to the recording and back to our voices. Something that came up for me then, which I wasn't, uh, I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Perhaps this will be the tape, perhaps it, uh, this, perhaps this will be for the tape, perhaps it won't be. I was surprised when I looked at the memory, I got a, momentary thought that I couldn't let go of, which was in a sense, I was only half in, in that moment, in that memory, Mm. I was only sort of half there. I was having one, I had kind of one eye on the situation around me or the, or the Mm. mid future. Cause it was a, it was a silly game I was playing with my nephews. That's Mm. what the thought I had when we were on holiday and there was, this other thought that was going, when do we do the next thing or, or this, how do we bring this to a close or whatever. And it was, it was not being absorbed fully in the moment and allowing someone else to maybe say, okay, that's enough. And uh, that really, yeah, that really struck me. 
as as much as I was being playful and funny and trying to be that guy, trying to be the nonsense uncle, there was still very much this thing of even in the moment watching from the side and and sort of saying almost tapping a watch or something. It was yeah, it was it was made me a bit sad. And I think you know this is all it's all good data, and it is you know, interesting you know, that that exercise I, I used to do it quite a lot with people and some people really found it quite emotionally triggering because the person who they thought of is someone who's no longer in their lives and it is you know just tapping into what you discovered and thank you for sharing that actually thank you for being open and honest and actually just noticing that even in the memory that you've chosen there is a part of you that goes oh actually there's there's a there's an aspect of myself I'd, I'd like to embrace and uh, take on a walk, I would say. That the idea of tapping the watch, keeping, having this, this, it is useful to have the observer self so that we are not fully. There's, yeah, completely absorbed and enrobed in something, perhaps if there are other things that need to be taken care of, but yeah. I wasn't the only grown up at the table so you know I could yeah. have been the, I could have been the third child you could have been and I think perhaps there's 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 this thing of it's not until we actually stop and look at these things we actually go oh actually because what, what I'm hearing as well is you know you're talking about the being of service aspect there is a thing of wanting to keep that monitoring self going just in case mm-hmm and again, that can, I wouldn't say easily, but that the flip side of service is control. I, how, I, and I call this for myself because the number of times I have been in a social situation where people have thought I've been really helpful, it's not. It's because by making sure everyone's got drinks, passing around sandwiches or whatever, or washing things up, I, it, that soothes my... I won't go as far as say social anxiety, but it means that I know that I have a place in that yes. environment. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so on on a on a healthy level, you know, I'm controlling my discomfort in a situation by finding things which allow me to feel comfortable, finding a role to feel comfortable. And on the and on the if you, if you push that to the furthest edge, you know, it does mean that I don't like to be in situations that I can't control because this is my way of at least, if not necessarily controlling, certainly I'm just thinking about water, like ensuring that the eddies that are closest to me, I have some agency over them. Uh, as we are uh, at the time of recording 36 minutes in, hmm. I wonder if uh, if Eddie might uh, allow us to... Uh, Yes, one of my favourite things in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Eddie's in the space-time continuum. We'll tell him to get out. How about we look at how our values show up in our character? Yeah, and this is prompt too. And this is very much, you know, we mentioned earlier on about having having strength. The, the Values in Action Institute, VIA, character.org. It's been uh, going on for, uh, I mean, it's, it's that, I, they've, they've changed the way they've talk, talk about themselves now. And so it was like values in action and now it's VIA strengths in practice or something like that. And it is kind of more 
one of the uh, they, they talk about things as being strengths even though they have values in their name but they have a free survey that you can do at viacharacter.org there'll be a link in the in the show notes and it's a way of finding out because they talk about values in action as being the way that our character shows up and I've been doing this test for it must be over 10 years now. I'm not, I, I can't work out whether I've got the email addresses to like still find out my early attempts. Mm-hmm. But, but I know that I, when I was doing my first semester of my master's, we're doing strength and we were all encouraged to take the test again. And I think all of us came up with like with love of learning, like within the top five, if not the top yeah. two and stuff. Because that's why we're all bloody there at the first start before, <laughs> before like the realization that the essays are absolutely going to hammer us. And, you know, and it is kind of, it's touted as being really scientific and it's by like like the, the big daddies of positive psychology, you know, Seligman and Peterson and stuff in the early 2000s. And it's like, eh, like, like if you, if you look at, I put the link to the Wikipedia page, you can actually see people of going, yeah, you know how you, how you guys have like said that these things come onto certain things? Yeah, they don't really. And it's like one of the big arguments that because it's more, a more westernized uh, list is one of the things that is actually missing, which people have been a little complaining about, is that hospitality isn't there because that's a big thing in Middle Eastern countries and Asian countries. I'd say in Irish culture as well. Well, well yeah, I was going to say, like, it's, it still surprises me when you go around to a house in the southeast and people don't offer you a cup of tea on, like, like stat, whereas where <laughs> I come from mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, in the you know, north, northwest, or whatever, it's kind of like, well, if someone's coming around, you give them, you, you feed and water them, <laughs> just basics. <laughs> I apologise to tradespeople if I, because uh, I seldom have, have milk. Yeah. So I can't give them tea, you know, and I, I, I do have to apologise. Or I just go and buy milk. Well, I used to get, like, my, my thing was I used to get the little capsules of milk, fresh milk, which you could get for, and they're like long, long life capsules. Yeah, yeah, I need to go to more travel lodges. Well, you don't just need to steal them from travel lodges. They actually do have them in, in, in reputable supermarkets. <laughs> no, they don't. You have to go to travel lodges and steal them. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. My value. my value is theft. Petty, very petty theft. Indeed, indeed. And so I know you were saying at the top of the hour that you took the test. This is the test that you were talking about. So my top five. The first one is love. Does that surprise you? Not a bit. <laughs> I mean, one of our mutual friends, Kat, describes me as a heart on legs. So, but, but this is, ah. but, it's, but I think it is that I've, over the last year or so, I've lent into that more. And so... And I think it's really interesting that I, I get that because a lot of the questions, as I was saying, very much like me, were the questions which said, are, are you affectionate with people? And obviously, you know, I, I don't actually see that many people in person, but uh, you you get my voice messages. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I experience you uh, when we're not recording. <laughs> you do. And then my second one is humour, which mm-hmm. I think this is possibly why you and I get on quite well. Yeah. A little bit. The third one is perspective, you know, being able to provide wise counsel to others. And I guess this is why... Kind of, Doing kind this of, podcast. Yeah, I, I thought I'd let and you And you're the one sentence. who talks. That's only because you can't get a word in edgeways, which, which I think shoots down the fact that my fourth strength is social intelligence because I don't let you get a word in edgeways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I found that one quite interesting because, you know, I'm, as I get older, I'm realising the more I get more autistic. 
<laughs> and so this is definitely something which I've studied rather than necessarily comes absolutely natural to me. And then which ties in with my last one, which is love of learning, which is why the thing I've got number four because I've got number five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The two come hand in hand. Two come hand in hand. But, you know, Brene Brown says that it's quite, if you have a laundry list of values, that it's probably, it'd be quite diffuse. And actually, if you come down to it, you probably only have like one or two. Mm. And these are the ones to really focus on. I think she talked about it in Dare, Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that, and I don't know how successfully I would do it, but I would argue that my entire top five of love, humor, perspective, social intelligence, and love of learning are all facets of or ways that I support my top one, which is love. Mm. So uh, yes. I'm going to count down from five to one because, you know, that's because I'm a showman. <laughs> so number five is love. Nah. Uh, valuing close relationships with others, in particular those in which sharing and caring are reciprocated being close to people. Number four is honesty. Speaking the truth, but more broadly, presenting oneself in a genuine way and acting in a sincere way. Yep. Being without, uh, sometimes too sincere, being without pretense, taking responsibility for one's feelings and actions. Wow, that's a good one. I think, yeah, I think that is a good one. Considering uh, my chief complaint from the people that were in charge of me as a small child was that (laughs) I was a big liar. Big, big lying boy. Uh, I did lie a lot. And it was always to get out of trouble. Number three is humility, which is letting one's accomplishments speak for themselves, not regarding oneself as more special than one is. Uh, I can't... It would be weird if I addressed that in any way. So we'll move straight on to number two, which is creativity, which is nice. Uh, Thinking of novel and productive ways to conceptualize and do things Uh, includes artistic achievement, but is not limited to it. Mm. Uh, And then, uh, yes, right at the top was humor, uh, liking to laugh and tease, although I don't really like to tease, bringing Mm. smiles to other people, seeing the light side, making not necessarily telling jokes. That's a really interesting observation because I uh, realized that about myself having taken this stand-up course. I was going to say that ties in quite nicely. How does how what's what's been your reflection on that getting that information back? It's interesting because the, the 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 specifically on on that little bit the the course is at the moment has been quite joke focused and next week I well I was I was saying to the the guy who's running it like I don't feel like I'm I, you know I, I I'm not good at jokes I kind of have observations and I can tell stories and perform and that kind of stuff. And he, as I was speaking, he put a hand on my shoulder and he just went, that's what we're doing next week. And it's interesting that it, that it makes that, that sort of thing, you know, uh, making jokes, not necessarily telling them. And I think, uh, I think that's a lovely distinction, but yeah, I think humor is so, it is so important. It's, it's comedy is the way that I've understood the world. Comedians showed me, and I think I've said this before, comedians helped me understand what I believed because they presented it in a way that I could digest. And some of my values have changed. I think, um, you know, as much as Bill Hicks was there for me when I was 18, some of the values that he espouses are not things I need to take with me into my 40s. But using that as a way of shaping and helping me understand uh, my own self and what I believe uh, is huge. And then just the ability to stand on stage and when you are absolutely bricking it and (laughs) do something that makes people laugh 
everybody unclenches, you unclench, and it's just <laughs> so much, it just makes life so much easier. You can yeah. get a nice big laugh at the beginning. It's just like, okay, all right, yeah. let's everybody, it's it's fine. It tells everybody we're in safety, and uh, yes. that's a big one for me. I was going to say, it definitely communicates, you know, people feel safe then. Yeah. Because I remember when I was doing jazz singing, if I I knew that the audience would be picking up on whether I was nervous or not. And so just going on there and going, well, they're all going to look at me. I'm going to give them something to look at. And then looking for the people who were smiling and then focusing in on them and rather than looking at the people who either weren't paying attention or, or whatever, then it kind of becomes a virtuous loop then. And... The, the audience, as you say, they can relax because they're oh, okay, she's got this. Or in your case, he's got this. And I think that takes us to you know, our last prompt, you know, how can you bring your values into your everyday life more? If you've been, if you've identified some, some values here, and there is in the show notes, a link to a quick list of core values from acceptance and commitment training, finding ways to season our day with them. When we're thinking of the that, that connect and reflect exercise, generally speaking, it ends with us with a question, with a prompt to say, you know, how can you bring the quality that you've identified into your day? What kind of actions? And I, you know, you noticed something quite quite interesting in yours. So, are there, do you have any ideas of how you can use that information and perhaps bring your qualities, either of humour, which you know you've you've picked up on through the VIA actions stuff or the recognition of needing you know, not to be being more fr- present well yeah yeah you know how can you be more present with the people who you love and actually you know and it, and it might just be that self-dialogue thing of oh that catching thing of that's mindfulness you know of just going oh i'm i'm my attention is split here and and i'm gonna give my you know i can spend a little time on my watch i can give myself permission to like not be split for 10 minutes you know? because mm. that's how we end up in flow is by uh, immersing ourselves in something with people and losing track of time and then there's a sense of trust in that as well actually trusting that everything is going to be okay without us that that kind of uh, I'm not going to get onto polyvagal too much but you know there's a part of us that's always checking for warning or welcome and actually going, this this is a welcome right now. I can fill my boots with welcome. I don't have to be so overtly on the scan, the lookout for warning, because there's other people who can do that for me. Particularly in that s- the scenario that you, that you mentioned earlier. And then, mm. you know, a bit about the values thing, you're setting a morning intention with it. Because sometimes it can be, almost be like a gratitude practice, you know, thinking about the day ahead or as we're going through the day oh, here's an opportunity for me to be more creative. Here's an opportunity for me to be more loving. All these little bits and pieces. And maybe even with, this is something which I'm going to take away from today, is the idea of planning the week ahead. Because I have, as mentioned earlier on, I have a uh, a planner now for the year, which has got like, like hourly things and I'm marking things down. So I try and get stuff done. And... One of my one of my things is one of my key values, as I mentioned, is love, and so and that also means being loving towards myself and actually putting things in my schedule that allow me to do something that I enjoy. 
one, one of my hobbies, taking some time off from work. And so, you know, when we have this information, when we have this compass, these nor- this North Star, whatever, this is going to be my, my closing thought, kind of an invitation, really. What is your heart's deepest desire for how you want to be in the world? And how can you make that happen more in your daily life? The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of Happiness.